get the mic. Honey, I've got something to uh, say. Uh, hey, ooh, I like that. Can uh, you turn that up for uh, me? It's Maja, but you know, Maj for short. <laughs> Ask Maj. What's up? What's up? It's your girl Maj, and we are back with another episode of Ask Maj, the podcast, where I am spilling all the real tea. So I have a special announcement. Drum roll, please. Ask Smiles, the podcast is going to be broadcasted every week now. So the podcast is going weekly. Um, as some of you may or may not know, um, I started Ask Smiles, the podcast as a bi-weekly podcast. But y'all, since we've been in this quarantine, <laughs> I need more content, okay? I'm so ready to push more content. And, you know, like my theme song says, honey, I got something to say. <laughs> and I really want y'all to hear what I have to say. But even in the midst of, of this pandemic, I feel like there is so much going on. There is so much to talk about. So many new shows. Everybody's dropping music. There are movies coming out. And I want to talk about all of that stuff. So in order to cover everything that I, I really want to cover... I think it'll be best for me to um, tra- transition to weekly broadcasting. So I'm super excited, and this means more content for you all who love to listen to Ask Masha podcast. So I'm so excited um, that I get to push out more content for you all. So yes. So my Maj moment for the week. So I'm going to start doing a segment called Maj Moment, um, just to kind of provide some inspiration for my listeners. Last week, my pastor preached on, (laughs) the title of his message was, It's Above Me Now. (laughs) And I don't know if you all remember a while ago, I believe it was last year, where there was this uh, black guy, he was on the phone, I guess, with this lady, and she was calling him all types of names, the N-word. And when the lady, he worked for a hotel, and when the lady got there um, to the hotel, she actually was being helped by the guy that she was on the phone with, calling all kinds of names. So anyway, when she was asking him (laughs) to help her, he kept saying, you know, I'm so sorry, ma'am. There's nothing I could do. It's above me now. (laughs) So, yeah, so my pastor used that um, as a message. And I I really wanted to use that as a match moment for this week. And I say that because... This has been such a long week. And for those of you who don't know, I am working from home. And let me be clear. I am so, so, so grateful to, you know, have a job and to be financially stable during these times because I know a lot of people, people who are personal to personal to me, um, who have been laid off, you know, who have been cut from their jobs. And, you know, they're struggling. You know, they... Um, you know, just have questions about what's going on. Um, and and I'm, I'm truly grateful to be in this place where I am financially stable. But I can also say that working from home during this pandemic has been a challenge. Like, it is very, very, very tough. Um, and it's not a complaint. It's not a complaint. It's just to say that it is a challenge, you know. And I think right now, you know, many of us are, are kind of in this this mindset of, of 
like a survival mode, right? Um, so for me, I know, you know, it's hard to stay motivated. You know, sometimes I don't even want to get up out of the bed in the morning. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, last week was just really, really, really tough for me. Um, and, and I think the worst part about this pandemic is that we have no idea when this is going to be over, right? Like it's indefinite, you know, it, it was like, okay, we'll push it to May 8th then we'll push it to June. Then, you know, we're saying that they may, there may be another wave. And then it's like all the concerts and festivals have been canceled until 2021. Like it can be so scary because it's like, when is this over? And, and honestly, like I said, I think that's the scariest part is that nobody knows when this is going to end. Um, and so I think, you know, having that knowledge and, you know, just dealing with your own personal challenges, it's you you really don't know what to do. Some days, like I said, I'm just unmotivated and I just I don't know what to do. So, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. And, you know, I, I think in these times, the best thing you can do is really just pray, you know, and trust God that he's going to bring us out of this. Because in the midst of it all, he is still in control. He is still in control. So that's what, you know, <laughs> it's above me now translates to like, you know, when when I, I feel scared when you know I'm confused I'm uncertain I don't know what's happening I just have to remind myself like it's really above me now <laughs> literally like all I can do is pray and trust God that he's gonna bring us out of this like it it really is above me now and with that being said you know you gotta find the joy in some things you gotta find the the laughter and some things the happiness and some things so one thing that really cheers me up during this time is <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Jordan on Instagram. Y'all, if you watch his videos, I promise you will get a kick. Like, between him and Young Barbecue, I like, I'm set. Like, if you are ever having a bad day, either watch a video of Leslie Jordan talking about one of his pillow talk stories or watch a Young Barbecue dance challenge. Like, I mean, sis got the moves, okay? She just recently did uh, a cover, too. <laughs> Meg and Beyonce Savage remix and honey sis had the whole Beyonce look going on so yes if you need a laugh or you know you're feeling down unmotivated like please look at Leslie Jordan's Instagram or Young Barbecues when I say she does a video every day twice a day sometimes and then a challenge at night and sis be having a full uniform from work I don't know where she work at, but she worked, didn't come home and make her videos. Honey, you have no excuse during this time, like during this time. So, yes, if you ever need to laugh or you just have, you know, you're just having a bad day, they, they will help you. Like they can definitely lift your spirits. So, yes, question of the day or question of the week, should I say? Um, Lisa Ray uh, was on Fox Soul. And she made a very interesting comment. She said that the Kardashians have single-handedly changed the woman's body shape that is acceptable now. So I thought this was interesting and I took to Instagram to ask some of my followers um, if they agreed. So here are some of the responses. One young lady said, I won't give them all the credit. The beauty standards have always been small waist and stomach, even when extreme makeup was a show. Now, will their influence move others to get bigger behinds? I believe so. <laughs> Another one of my followers said, I think they have heavily influenced it. But if you notice, 
Kim has had some of her fat injections removed. I think what made it worse is the amount of black women who flocked to copy Kim Kardashian and didn't realize we are the ones who set the standards in the first place. So, very interesting. And and honestly, I thought about this question for for a long time. Um and I'm going to say it's 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 very hard to answer. And I say that because it all depends on you know, when she says single-handedly change the woman's body shape that's acceptable, my question is acceptable to who? Um, are we talking about men? You know, are we talking about women? Are we talking about black women? Um, and I think there's this huge stigma that, you know, black women, especially in the industry, you know, in the entertainment industry, want bodies that look like that. Would I say majority? Yes. But again, it is subjective and it depends on who who you're you're talking about, because, you know, like I said, there are a lot of women in the industry who who crave that that body type. You know, I don't Ari are excuse me, not Ari Lennox, who child, not Ari Lennox. She all natural. Ari Fletcher tweeted not too long ago and she said something like it's 2020 sis buy that body, you know, whatever she said. Um, and a lot of women agree with that. Like, girl, don't let other people, you know, tell you what you can and cannot do with your body. Like, girl, go get that surgery. You know, if that's what you want, go get it. But then you have people who are like, no, you know, why is she, you know, encouraging women to do this? You know, that's not right. So on and so forth. So here's the thing. I don't necessarily think it's wrong or it's right. Um, nor do I agree that the Kardashians have single-handedly, um, kind of change the, the, the body shape or the women's body shape that's acceptable now. Again, I think it's about who you're talking to. Um, and, and like the first user said, like my first follower said, I think it goes back, right? That's always been the beauty standard, right? You know, small waist, small stomach, big behind, you know, big hips. Like, that's always been a, an industry standard. I can say that, you know, the, the Kardashians have maybe emphasized that, Um you know, they, they've emphasized that and they've made this the kind of, I don't even want to say a standard because it's always been a standard. They've just really, really emphasized that standard. Um, and I mean, you know, they're in the spotlight. They're, you know, a highlight of the media right now, you know, and they've been a highlight of the media with whatever they do, you know. Kim Kardashian can post anything, you know, and the media will create a narrative about it and run with it and then it goes viral. Um, so I think with with the attention that they get, they've kind of emphasized that standard. Um, do I believe that black women started that? Yes. And when I say black women started it, I don't mean the surgery thing. I mean, black women naturally have, you know, the, the big hips, the smaller waist. Like we're naturally curvy. Um, so I think a lot of races kind of flock to, to mocking that. Well, not mocking it, but imitating that. Um, so I think that we as black women have set that standard, but we didn't get credit for it. Um, so I don't necessarily know, you know, where black women got the idea to want to have bigger butts and smaller waists. Like, obviously, like I said, that's a beauty standard, but we were born that way. <laughs> Honey, we woke up like this. Um, so I don't know necessarily where that trend came from. Um, because, you know, a lot of times we hear that, you know, the Kardashians and other women, you know, we've heard a lot about, about bad baby, you know, wanting to be black, you know, getting these surgeries, you know, being shaped like a curvier woman which people relate to black women um and i can understand that but what is it called when black women get the surgery right when they get the smaller waist and the bigger butts like what is that called like who are we trying to copy um 
so again, I think it's about who you're who you're talking to because I don't think it's wrong or right. I don't I think it's acceptable to who who's okay with that. You know, I I'd rather, you know, build my body, you know, like Angela Simmons say, built not bought. You know, I'd rather build my body and I'm all for the natural bodies. However, you know, if you if you want to get the surgery, sis, do do what your heart desires. <laughs> you know, go get the surgery, like Ari Fletcher said. And my I'm not a I guess poster child for surgery, but you know, I'm also not going to judge or demean somebody who who chooses to do so. So yeah, do I agree that they single-handedly change a woman's body shape? That's acceptable. No, I don't. However, I feel like that's always been a standard. I feel like they just emphasize the standard. Um so yes, that's the question of the day. Um moving on. <laughs> So another segment I'd like to add is what are y'all mad about this week? So Kenya Barris uh, is the producer of, I believe, Blackish, Mixedish, and Grownish, I believe. Um, and he just recently released his new sitcom called Black AF on Netflix. Um, and it is about his family. It's a portrayal of his family. Um and I, it's kind of a, to me, it's, it's, it's comedy kind of satire and kind of picking fun of like reality shows. That's kind of like what I get from it. Um, and so, like I said, it's, it's supposed to depict his, his real family. Um, and it's based on, um, a documentary that his daughter did to get into film school. So that's what the show is kind of centered about. She's, she's sort of the narrator of the show. However... Um, there was a lot of backlash and controversy um, around the show. And a lot of the controversy was rooted in colorism. So I thought this was was interesting. Um, so I want to read a few tweets. So one user said, Black AF with no dark skin people. Another person said, I'm over the somewhat dark-skinned dad, light-skinned mom, and mixed kids narrative that is supposed to represent the black family. Another one said, Kenya Barris literally writes the same narrative, but with different actors and actresses. And the last one I took note of said, Kenya Barris has four sitcoms that are heavily embedded with black culture. He only has, I think, three dark-skinned actors out of all of the cast. So, yes, a lot of controversy around um, colorism. And so Kenya Barris responded to some of the tweets um, and some tweets that he later deleted. And then he did this interview on T.I.'s podcast. So his tweets, he says, I'm not going to make up a fake family that genetically makes no sense just for the sake of trying to fill quotas. I love my people. And everything I do reflects that love. But to cast people like some kind of skin color all-star game would actually do more harm than good. He also said, uh, these kids look like my kids, my very real, no, my very black real kids, and they face discrimination every day from, outside, from others outside our culture, and I don't want them to also see it from us. So then in an interview that he did on T.I.'s podcast, Kenya Barris um, addressed some of the criticism that he received. Um, 
he said the show is super polarizing and says he's never done anything like this. Um, and when he responded to the colorism controversy, he said, the one thing that I'll say in terms of the color of the colorism, this is based on my family. Um, with Rashida Jones playing a version of my wife who is biracial. I think everyone's experience and everyone's opinion in terms of you, colorism are real, and I understand that. He said, but if you just dug a little bit under the surface, you understand that this is biographical, and I was trying to duplicate a version of what my family was. So, Maj, what's your take on this? Sure, I'm so glad you asked. All right, so I watched the entire season. Um, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan. I couldn't get into it. Um, it's one of those shows that you kind of have on in the background while you're doing something, while you're typing, while you're at work, writing a document. Um, it's not something that I would sit down and like really put all of my attention to. Now, I do like how they kind of poke fun at, um, I guess, black culture and black behaviors. Um, and believe it or not, I think they hit head on a lot of a lot of the black black behaviors like black culture and i think like i said it's it's to poke fun it's satire um and now in terms of the colorism controversy i was a little bit confused now i didn't know much about kenya barris before watching um black black af so i was a bit confused because from the tweets i read i kind of felt like people were saying a full light-skinned family doesn't depict black people and I was offended because it's like my family is all light skin. Most of my family is light skin, but we are just as black as is is a dark skin family. We face some of the same, you know, challenges that other black families have faced. Now, I, I did pose the question and I got a lot of tweets back of people talking about how all of his sitcoms have light skin actors. He cast light skin actors for all of his um, sitcoms and then to me that does pose a bigger challenge um it poses a bigger problem because when we think about Hollywood and we think about this perfect stigma of black families Hollywood has has portrayed this this perfect black family as as light-skinned um and I think that's been that's been a colorism like issue from like way 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 back in the day i don't think that just started now i do believe that as black people it is our responsibility to kind of combat those stigmas um because it's not true um you know it's not true we're, we're all different however i do believe that on the account of black people i think that we're all different right our families are all different i think that we can relate on some of the similar morals the similar values and the ways that we were raised you know in our upbringings and and in our cultures um and in our family cultures i think that we can relate on things but all families are different right and i think that you know when we think about our personal lives our personal upbringings and our families we immediately compare that to what we see on tv and then i think it's like oh it's wrong if it's not like how we grew up and that's not necessarily true um i think you know like i said all families are different you know like i said my family is all light-skinned and i don't i'm not any less black you know i'm not any less black than a dark-skinned family um so i don't agree that you know because his family is light-skinned, you know, they're, they're any less black. I don't believe that. Now, I do believe that, like I said, as black people and as black people who have influence, you know, especially in, in the Hollywood entertainment industry, I think it is, you know, their jobs to, you know, portray us in a positive light. 
So not sure what his motive was. Like I said, I think, you know, the show is based off of, you know, his own family. So I, I can understand that. But in terms of, you know, the other sitcoms that he does produce, I, I don't know what his motive is in terms of casting light-skinned actors. I don't know. I, and honestly, I don't watch the other shows. I just decided to give Black AF um, a chance because I heard a lot of a buzz about it. So, yes. Um, I, I get both sides, but like I said, I think it's it's our job to portray ourselves in a more positive light um, and to portray all the different dynamics of a family in black culture. Um, and of course, you know, when we think back on, you know, the past sitcoms, your Martins, Fresh Prince, Different World, Living Single, Girlfriends, Cosby Show, um, you know, we could relate to those a little bit more. Um, and so I bring bring those back like bring those back like let's get some reunions and, and bring those back um so yes moving on unpopular opinion my unpopular opinion here we go i i know y'all can go ahead and cancel me after i say this i did not like the baby's album i i did not like it at all and you know of course, he puts up these, you know, Instagram posts and, and tweets about, you know, people who don't like his album, you know, their haters this, haters that. And it's really not like that. Like, I'm definitely not a DaBaby hater. I actually like his music. I like DaBaby a lot. But this album just did not do it for me at all. Um, and I think he tried to switch up the flow kind of sound thing. I get it, but <laughs> I still wasn't feeling it. <laughs> I still wasn't feeling it. I think DaBaby is one of those you know, artists that have his lane, you know, and he's really good at that lane. And personally, I just think he just needs to stay there. I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't care for the album. I, I just didn't care for the album. Um, and I get it, you know, we're all in quarantine. So artists are trying to push music, but I, I'm a, quant, uh, a quality over quantity person. Um, don't just put stuff out there because you feel like you need to put it out there. Make sure that it is quality. And I just didn't like it. Oh, and don't even get me started on that nasty song with Ashanti and Megan. I hated it. I thought it was trash. First of all, that sample was not it. Like, it was not it. Let me say, Ashanti did her thing, as she always does. I loved her little spin. But between him and Megan, I did not. I did not. I did not like that at all. Um... I, I, one thing I can say that I liked about it was the, I, I felt like he tried to make it funny a little bit. Like it was a bit humorous. Well, I laughed at some of his sound effects, you know, but I thought the song was just trash. I feel like they really ruined that sample. And I, honey, I was singing baby, baby, baby in, in middle school, you know, acting like I had had my heart broken, you know, I, I was singing that from my heart and I just feel like y'all just ruined that childhood memory for me. No, I just didn't like it. But anyway, moving on. Speaking of Meg, can we get into this Savage Remix, honey? Because, honey, if you don't jump to put jeans on, you don't feel my pain. Oh, yes, for this Savage Remix. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I even loved it more because the proceeds went to COVID-19 relief in Houston. Like, can we just, like, round of applause for, for doing this thing, right? making this bomb song and then, you know, having a positive cause behind it. Like these two bomb women getting on this track together, producing this amazing song. And then, you know, like I said, using it for a positive cause. Like 
I don't need anything else. I'm good. I'm good. Like, this will carry me through quarantine. I am good. Sad to say, I've seen so many people tweet about tweet about the fact that, like, they have all these captions and we can't use them. Oh, my gosh. But it's okay, though, because once quarantine opened back up, I mean, once the world opened back up and we, we off quarantine, best believe captions coming for your neck, okay? Oh, and... That Savage Remix Dance Challenge? Oh, no, 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 honey. That That's where I, I will not. That's where you lost me. <laughs> now, first of all, it took me so long, a whole week to learn the first one, and that dance was easy. Then y'all got all these extra moves and twerks and pops and this and that. I was like, mm-mm. You know what? Y'all can have that one. I'll, I'll set on the first dance and keep it pushing. But yeah, so song was bomb. And along with that, the Houston mayor announced that uh, they were honoring Megan and B um, with their own day as a result of the song and um, their proceeds to Houston for COVID-19. Like, round of applause, Meg and B. Like, B is just everything. Like, she just pops up out of nowhere and just blesses us. And we're just good, you know, for a certain amount of time. And, and then not to mention, you know, only fans like usage or consumption went up by a certain percentage after Beyonce did like a little shout out. So shout out to her just for having that type of influence and and using it for a good cause. So speaking of good cause, Wale dropped the Sue Me video. Uh, Okay, let me say this. I love the idea. I loved how Wale tried to switch the roles. Um... And, and when you see kind of visuals like that, to me, I believe the goal is to truly like humanize black people, like put them in our shoes so that they can kind of see or feel or understand or get an idea of what it's like to be black. You know, it, it humanizes us. Like we're still human. We're, you know, we're just like everyone else, you know? So I love the idea. I thought it was poorly directed. Um, I love artists like, you know, we were talking about Beyonce, um, where you'll see a video or you'll hear a song and there's these kind of like hidden things, like there's these hidden messages, hidden themes. Um, and then, you know, you can watch it once you pick them out, you can watch it several times, you might even find more. Um, but I think in Wale's video, he just kind of revealed everything to us. Like there was nothing left to try to figure out or like to decipher. And I didn't really care for that. That's why I thought it was poorly directed. Like there's one scene in the video where, um, the white guy goes into, um, a Starbucks and he witnesses two other white guys who were doing nothing, get arrested. Um, and the Batista, Batista, Lord Jesus, the barista is a black guy, I guess, who calls the cops on these two white guys. So I don't know if you guys heard a while ago about the two black guys who were in Starbucks and the barista called the police on them because I think she said they wouldn't leave and they wouldn't order anything, Some, something along those lines. So he portrayed that scene, obviously, with opposite races. And then right after the scene was over, he put the actual footage in there from the Starbucks, from the real Starbucks incident. And I didn't really care for that. I feel like, you know, when it comes to pop culture and news politics, like, that's something we know. Like, that was viral on social media. Like, I just didn't think you needed to put in the real footage from 
like the scene. I I think that's 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 for people to decipher, right? That's for people to figure out. That's for people to research and learn more about. So I just thought that was kind of like poorly directed. Um, but I, I did love the idea. But shout out to Wale for, you know, just trying to send that kind of message, you know, and, and just the song, you know, it's it's a, it's an empowerment song, you know, empowering black people. Sue me, I'm rooting for everybody black. So shout out to him. And I definitely feel like Wale is an underrated rapper. Um, you know, I, I, can, I think a lot of people can agree with me when I say I don't think that he gets a lot of the credit that he deserves. And I don't know, it may be because of his just his behavior when it comes to social media and just being you know on the scene a lot of people don't really care for his character um in my group chat the other day they kind of talked about how Wale is is an artist who seeks validation um instead of just kind of making the music and letting it speak for herself um I don't listen to a lot of Wale music so I can't really speak on that but they did compare him to Ari Lennox and I am a huge Ari Lennox fan and I I can agree that you know when she doesn't get the recognition or the accolades that she deserves you know she kind of vents about it you know she rants about it are your feelings you know valid absolutely do I feel like you know you should take those things to social media personally no um personally no I think you know if there's no motive or a goal behind you know venting or ranting you know I don't think that that should be public publicized I guess you know now if you're starting a movement for a young artist to be recognized more than you know more power to you but just to go on social media and say that your feelings are hurt because you didn't get a certain award I think is a bit much but I don't know some people may disagree with me on that but I just think like I said you you continue to make music because you love to make music and you have fans that you love to make music for I think that's what it's about instead of seeking validation because at the end of the day there are always going to be people talking bad about you and people talking good about you like you'll never get everybody to like you that will never happen um so it's kind of like just save yourself the the misery but anyway, moving on. Speaking of new music, Drake's mixtape mixtape just dropped. Dark Lane demo tapes. I haven't gotten the chance to really, really, really get into it. But from what I've heard, um, I listened to it while I worked out. I loved it um, so far. And I'm one of those type of people, like, I have to listen to an album over and over and over again to truly process it. And call me a psychopath, but I'm a type of person to, like, listen to the album straight through. I'm not a shuffle person until I know all the words. Like, I like to listen to it straight through to truly analyze, process, um, <laughs> and then, uh, make my rating or give my rating. So, yes. But what I love... Uh, what I've heard so far, I do love. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, Charlemagne was on a podcast and he was asked about Drake's Tootsie Slide song. And Charlemagne said, and I quote, I think it's whack and I think it's beneath Drake. I think that when you're the biggest artist in the world, when you're the biggest rapper in the world, I don't like to see you chasing trends. It's like, why be a surfer when you're an effing wave? I just didn't respect it. Okay, Charlemagne. I see where you're coming from. However, I don't think Drake made the Tootsie Slide song with the intentions, like, or with the mindset that, like, yeah, I'm about to drop this heat. I'm about to drop this fire. Like, I'm about to kill them all. Like, I don't think that that was his mindset. Like, I truly think the Tootsie Slide was, like, a feel-good song. Like, we're in quarantine. We're in survival mode, you know, and a lot of people are just trying to find the silver lining. So we've seen a lot of users kind of turn to TikTok just as a way to... I don't know, stay motivated, you know, find fun things to do, entertain themselves. Like they've turned to TikTok and TikTok is fun. So I think he made, you know, Tootsie Side as a feel good song. It's just like a feel good 
song in the midst of this crazy pandemic, like in the midst of uncertain times. Like, I don't think it was meant to be this crazy number one billboard at the top song. I just think it just was a fun song to make people feel good. That's it. So to give it this harsh rating, I think it was a bit much when that wasn't the intention behind it. Like, I think that was exactly what he meant to do was to make people feel good, make people have fun and give and follow, give people a trend to follow. That's simply it. So yes, moving on. All right. Last thing I want to talk about. I saw this trending on Twitter, so I had to get into it. Little fires everywhere. So I watched the whole season in a matter of days. And let me just say, if there is a season two coming out, I would not be watching it. Like, I, I can't do another season of that. Now, it wasn't that I didn't like it. I think the show was a bit slow for me, one. And I feel like it was really hard to get to the main point of the, the, the series. And maybe that's what they were trying to do. You know, I think some of the messages could have been a, a bit cryptic or hidden or subtle. Um, so maybe that's why it took so long to kind of get to the, the main point. Um, but I really kind of put everything together during the finale. So if you're listening to this and you have not watched Little Fires Everywhere, I, this is about to be a spoiler alert. Okay. So first off, let me say, I believe that the, the series is about, is a story about race, motherhood, accountability. Um, I think those are the three kind of emerging things that I, that I took from, took from the show. Um, and honestly, I think Little Fires Everywhere <laughs> is a show that I can have a whole episode dedicated to. So I'm just going to try to point out some of the highlights that I took from the show. So... I also think that the show's message was was about truly accepting all parts of yourself, right? Like the bad parts, the ugly parts, the scary parts, the good parts, the parts that we don't want to look at, but like truly accepting who we are for who we are. Um, and I think it it had a lot to do with, you know, running from past decisions because when you run from past decisions I think that's what kind of creates regrets um and when you don't address who you are and address some of the decisions that you've made even if you're not proud of them then you you end up running for your life from from your regrets and from your bad decisions so I think of course you know we saw these two mothers kind of trying to come together then you know eventually butting heads and then later on, you know, in, in the series finale, we saw the kids kind of blow up the house, set the fire, set the house on fire. And then the mom kind of taking accountability and admitting to kind of indirectly setting the house on fire or causing her her entire house or um, life to kind of burn down. So I, I can also say that I think that both mothers could have learned some things from each other. I think they could have taught taught some things to each other I think in Elena's case you know she was so structured right she wanted this perfect family she didn't know what spontaneity was right she didn't know what it was like to just live in the moment and to have fun and accept you know the present for what it is she didn't understand that but then I think on the other hand you know in Mia's case you know she didn't know what it what how important stability was um and and having a place to call home you know, because she was running from this, this regret or this bad decision that she made. So I think that, you know, the, the mothers and th those are just 
a couple of things they could have learned from each other, but there were so many things they could have learned from each other. Um, and, and I think another emerging theme was about exploitation. I think when you're, you know, when you haven't settled with the decisions that you make, I feel like sometimes you tend to exploit other people for their bad decisions. Meanwhile, your house or your life is kind of burning up. And I think that's what that was kind of symbolic of, you know, when we think about Elena, like, you know, she was so worried about finding out all of these things about Mia that her house was slowly burning, right? So that's what's symbolic of like the little fires everywhere. And I think it had a lot to do with, you know, she hadn't accepted some of her past decisions. She had a lot of regrets um, and she wasn't 100% happy or accepting of, of how her life turned out. So instead of kind of dealing with or addressing you know her own issues she kind of was exploiting Mia and then in the end her her house ended up burning down or her life ended up burning down so I think there were a lot of emerging themes um a lot of lessons that be, that can be taken from this I feel like this would be a great show for like a high school class or a college class um to really decipher and like dive into um, but like I said, I think the main lesson is just, you know, accepting you for you, right? No, all And all parts of you, the ugly, the scary, the good, the bad, all parts of you, like accepting you for you and really addressing your decisions head on. Everything, you know, all the progress that you've made, all the decisions that you made, like a- addressing that head on, um... And, and obviously we can't we can't change our past decisions, but we can change what we're doing now that that's going to eventually affect our future. Um, so I think that's that was kind of the main main lesson from that, the main thing from that. So yes, very interesting, very intense. Um, definitely something that that you got to pay attention to, honey. I had my wine and and I was all in. Um, but yeah, like I said, that that's a, a little fires everywhere. I can talk about that for a whole episode, um, <laughs> more than one episode, because there are so many things to talk about within the show. Um, but I'll leave it at that. So yes, if you haven't seen Little Fires Everywhere, I definitely encourage you to go watch it. It's a great conversation starter. Um, it's it's just a great conversation about race, about like I said, accountability, motherhood. Um, and, and these two people kind of live in opposite lives, but being able to learn from each other, I think was just a really good point to pull out from the series. So yes, go watch it if you haven't, um, and, and watch it with somebody who's, who, who you can have an intellectual conversation with, cause it is a great conversation starter. So yes, that's all I have for you today. Pop culture trends and music, movies and TV. We back at it yes so yes i will catch y'all on next week's episode thanks for listening no like it's maja but you know maj for short <laughs> ask maj